Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins Wilkins. on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Everly nearly gave it away, but Lucic makes the steal. Walks in, right circle, rich shot, score! Beat Corey Crawford, five hole! And Milan Lucic with his 12th goal of the year. And it turns out to be the game winner as the Edmonton Oilers survive in Chicago against the Blackhawks, getting a 3-1 victory. Lucic, his first even-strength goal since December 6th against Buffalo. He did have a couple of power play markers since then, but you could see his relief in getting that goal. And Cam Talbot, brilliant again in net for the Oilers, making 38 saves clearly the Oilers' best player tonight and they win their third in a row, improving to 32-19-8 on the season. Thanks a lot for joining us. Hope you're having a great Saturday. It's 7.56. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Perandish Team Broadcast Center. Cam Talbot, the first star tonight, Rob. Jonathan Taves, the second star. Milan Lucic picked as the third star. I mean, how many shows have I started off this year where I just look at you and I go, Cam Talbot! Uh, he he was the best player on the ice tonight for either team. Excellent. Uh, the Oilers did not have a good start to the game. And, and he got them through the first period, you know, 0-0. Second period, the, the last eight, nine minutes, it was all Chicago. They were all over them. He was able to keep the lead as the Oilers had a one nothing lead going into the third. And then when they, they, they increased the lead to 2 nothing, it was all Chicago again. He, he gave up the one where all of a sudden... Uh, I think it was Panic was wide open in front of the net by himself. He couldn't stop that, but they had two, three, four, five opportunities after that to tie the game. And, and he just makes the big saves. And again, and we say it all the time, never does he look like it's an effort to do it. He, it's, he, he's not having to slide to make big saves. He's not having to reach back to, 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 to save, make an all-world save because he got caught out of position. He simply swallows pucks, pushes rebounds in the right spot, it has a calm demeanor, and I, and I know as a former player, when you look back at your goaltender and your goaltender is confident, you're much more confident. When you look back at a goaltender and he looks a little frazzled, well, now you're on the bench and you're frazzled. So right now the Oilers have full confidence in a goaltender that's fully confident in himself. You know, it's interesting, Rob, and, and Elliot Friedman is is on uh, Bob's show, Oilers Now, once a week, and, and and Bob brought up how well Talbot is play, playing, and Elliot Friedman, who's a, a national guy. Yep. Um, and a very and a very good one, but he said, you know, look, if 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 the Oilers make the playoffs and Connor McDavid is at or near the top of the scoring race, he said he's getting my vote for the Hart Trophy. And we talk to fans after every game, and as the Oilers have the leading scorer in the league, a twenty-year-old mm-hmm. Connor McDavid, who could very well be one of the best players in hockey for the next ten to fifteen years, and yeah, we talk to a lot of people who say, well. 
yeah, McDavid's great, but the team MVP might be Cam. I mean, that's the that's the funny thing. McDavid could win the league MVP, and a significant number of Oilers fans would vote for Talbot as the team MVP. Well, I I think that it, it, now I'm just talking for myself personally, but it, I know that we get to vote on Oiler awards. I mean, I would vote easily. Cam Talbot is the Oiler MVP. It's, it's not even a question right now as how important he is to this team. Connor McDavid can have an off night and the Oilers can still win because of Cam Talbot. Cam Talbot could have an off night. The Oilers do not win. They can't outscore a bad night by their goaltenders. So, uh, yeah, I, it, it, when you hear Elliot talk about that, it's obviously they're, they're watching the games out east. They're not seeing day in, day out everything that the Oilers do and, and every game the Oilers play. Cam Talbot has been excellent. Excellent. All goaltenders have off nights over the course of the season, and not just one, but they, they usually have two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is. You look around the league. Cam Talbot has had, what, two on the season that you look back and say, you know what, that wasn't his best effort. And this is a guy that's playing 80% of the games, if not more. It might even be more than that, what he's playing oh, right yeah, now. Oh, yeah, he's playing more than 80%. Yeah, so uh, this is a, a guy that each and every night, and everyone's, is she, are they playing him too much? Does he look tired? He is so in control when he plays the game, he doesn't look like he's fatigued after the games. And it, it is just amazing what you've we've seen the transformation from this team, uh, the, all the new players that have come in, but none bigger than the goaltender they got now that have made them a true contender this year. Not only a playoff team, but a team, obviously, that no one wants to play in the playoffs because they got, A, an excellent goaltender, and, B, the top scorer in the National Hockey League. So the Oilers two points ahead of Anaheim now for second in the Pacific Division, two behind San Jose, but it looks like the Sharks are going to win tonight. We'll keep you updated on the full scoreboard as we roll along. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text us to 63630. I mentioned the three stars. Our fourth star of the game is for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. You know what, Rob? I'm going to go with Matthew Benning. He got a goal tonight, had a big shot that went off the post. He was physical. He was out there in the final minute. You know, tough night for an Oilers team that was in their own end a lot, but I thought Benning did well. Well, he he scored a goal, so he led the team in goals as he was tied for the lead. He was plus two, which led the team. He had four hits, which led the team. He had three block shots, which was second on the team. He was excellent, and not only did you see it from here watching it on TV, but the coaching staff saw it as they they have a one-goal lead late in a hockey game. They have a timeout, so they can put anyone they want on the ice. And the coaching staff has Matthew Benning on the ice to try to preserve a one-goal lead. So I thought he was excellent. I think this was a great game for a young kid playing in uh, a big a big atmosphere-type hockey game against an excellent Chicago Blackhawk team. 3-1 is the final score. Benning, Lucic, McDavid for the Oilers. Panic for Chicago. McDavid gets his... 20th goal of the season. He continues obviously to lead the NHL in scoring. Now three up on Sidney Crosby, who will play tomorrow. All right, we'll start off the calls with Nathaniel tonight. Hey, Nathaniel, what's up? Um, So I was going to talk about how well Tam- Cam Talbot played today because uh, he's like the main factor of the Oilers right now. Well, he's very important. I, I mean, like Rob mentioned, you, you, you don't you don't have a record 13 games over 500 without strong goaltending and he never lets in or very rarely lets in 
that backbreaking goal. It's it's one nothing for a large stretch of this game with Chicago pressuring and, and they they couldn't tie it up. Yeah, like it was a really good trade when they got him. Yeah, it's turned out really well. It's turned out really well. Well, there's a couple teams that needed goaltenders and went out and traded for backup goaltenders to see if they could turn it turn them into starters. The the San Jose Sharks and the Edmonton Oilers. Martin Jones, the backup in, in L.A., and Talbot, the backup to Lundquist with the Rangers. Both San Jose and Edmonton give up players to get, or, or to give up, they give up players or draft picks to get their two goalies, and both goaltenders have been excellent. And now those goaltenders are fighting for teams fighting for the Pacific Division. So uh, you never know how a backup goaltender is going to become when he becomes a starter. Uh, the Oilers are extremely satisfied, ecstatically satisfied with what Talbot has done as a starter. Nathaniel, it's great to hear from you. Thank you for calling. Yeah, thank you. Right on. That's Nathaniel, 780-496-0063. Before we go back to the phone lines, we have post-game reaction from tonight's first star. Here's Talbot. Did motivate you in this game, if at all? Oh, I think this game we just came out and we uh, we were just trying to get a big two points in a tough building to play in. I mean, we, we let that one go a while ago. We knew it wasn't our best game. We had a couple uh, good games throughout this week. We were just trying to keep that going. Were you hoping to catch them maybe with uh, not real fresh legs? A lot of teams coming off that break haven't played very well in their first game back. Yeah, that seems to have been the trend, but that wasn't the case tonight. I mean, they came out flying in the first, and, uh, I mean, that's a veteran team over there. And, uh, I mean, we, we knew to expect that from them. Uh, they knew that uh, we were going to want a little bit of redemption from last week, so uh, they came out hard, and uh, we were able to weather the storm. You were able to weather the storm. But you were almost caught off guard because people thought the period would go the other way, that you guys would sort of be in charge and get the jump on them, but they were sort of swarming you right from the start. Yeah, like I said, that seemed to have been the trend uh, for teams coming off the bye week, but that wasn't the case tonight. And um, I mean, it wasn't our, our best effort tonight, but two points is all that mattered. We were able to, to battle through. Well, that's our adjustment of the game, I think, for Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better with help from your chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com is how Chicago played off the bye week. A lot of teams have come off the bye week, played poorly, and lost. Now, Chicago does keep the trend going of a lot of teams losing coming off the bye week, but it wasn't because they played poorly. No, I I thought they had an excellent game. A number of great scoring chances. They, They carried the play territorial. To territorially, and they just were unfortunate that they ran into a a hot goaltender. And I, and you know, Bob and Jack talk about it a lot about how the fact that the Oilers don't surprise teams anymore. They're a team that you're ready for when you come to play them, and you have to bring your best. And the Blackhawks brought pretty close to their best tonight. But uh, Cam Talbot with great goaltending and some uh, huge goals, one lucky and one a relief making goal for Milan Lucic who uh, has been struggling to find the back of the net Uh, those were huge goals that set up a a big victory to start this road trip All right, three goals tonight for the Oilers means a $75 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation it's courtesy of Booster Juice an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world what they do Rob is they give 25 bucks for every goal throughout the season and you can track the total on the Oilers page on 630ched.com 3-1 the final in favor of the Oilers you can text 630-630 you can call 780-496-0063 that's what Houston has done Hello, Houston. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, I just wanted to bring up two things. Uh, one a pro, because we did win, and one a negative. Uh, first thing, uh, you guys 
name him as your fourth star is Benning's play tonight, and especially his stand-up hit on Taze at the blue line. Uh, just solid all-around game. Yeah, he, he's been excellent. I mean, he, he's been a revelation for this team. You know, Peter Shirelli signed him in the offseason, and there wasn't a lot of hoopla when they signed Benning. It's, it's People think, okay, there's a depth player that's going to be in our minors, and hopefully someday he'll he'll be able to, to, to make it up here as a, you know, a six, five, six, seven defenseman. And he was so good in training camp that they just couldn't put him down. They just thought, you know what, he deserves to be here. They gave him the chance. And a lot of times when guys come in, especially young players, you have a good training camp, you get into some games when they count for real, and all of a sudden the warts show, and it hasn't. He actually has gotten better as this season has gone on. He's got a good instinct up with 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 his offensive ability, and he's got a little bit of edge with with the hits. We've seen a couple of huge body checks from him this year. I thought Matthew Benning was outstanding tonight. Uh, but yeah, and the one con as we got to look for ways to always improve, even when we win a game like that, is the turnovers in our own zone are killing us. I don't know how many giveaways we had tonight, but I even know during that Philly game we had. So many, and it just makes it a challenge on ourselves when we're just making it harder than it has to be. Yeah, I think you make a good point, Houston. I, I didn't think the Oilers had a great first period against Philly. No, they came out of it with a 2 nothing lead, but but yeah. they, they were a little sloppy in their own end with the puck. I thought that was maybe just the Oilers being a little bit off. And Rob and I touched on this during the second period. The Oilers have become a, a, a pretty good team. I, I think what might keep them out of the top tier, at least for this year, is that they they still have some trouble with fast teams, and, and I think the Hawks' speed and their and the fact that they've had a lot of guys who have played together for a while, they're very organized. I, I think oh, the Oilers still have a little trouble with that. Yeah, it, it just it, it just sucks to see how. Well, what was a good example of something opposite? And I know empty net goals have a negative stigmatism to them because no goalie in net points doesn't matter as much, even though. It definitely does, especially when you're playing a team like the Hawks, where you can get that empty netter and make it a three or a three-one game with 30 seconds left, and you don't have to have the added pressure of not letting a goal in. Um, but Drysaitel breaking out of the zone when three guys are attacking him at the hash marks to get it out to get it to McDavid to Latestu to McDavid for the empty netter. It plays like that where you got to be able to make those in the first period, so you don't have to worry about being down a goal, and you can be up a goal and get those empty netters at the end of the game. Well, sorry, so Rob. Go ahead. Close. But yeah. you're right, but you also got to give credit to the to the other team. I mean, the Chicago Blackhawks, it's not teams that get pressured and pushed hard in their own zone and, and, and lose battles aren't just the Edmonton Oilers when they play the Blackhawks. The Blackhawks do this to a number of teams. It's a matter of bending and not breaking. And what the Oilers are much better, better at, and they, puck management wasn't great at times, but when there is a mistake now, they come back to the house. And you have to go through a wall to get the pucks on net. So the Oilers are much better that way. It wasn't a perfect game by no means by the Edmonton Oilers, but they're starting to win these type of games. In the past, it would have been a 5 or 6-1 loss. So yeah. they, they're, it was a win. There's a lot of teaching moments that's going to make them a better hockey club. Uh, but it was it's a night that you can celebrate if you're an Oilers fan thinking, you know what? This team is for real. So it was a good night for the, for the Edmonton Oilers. And Houston, yeah. when Leon made that play leading to McDavid's empty net goal, and first of all, you're right, I don't discredit empty net goals. Who cares? Put the game away as soon as you can. Uh, both Rob and I were watching it. And as soon as Leon knifed in there and stole the puck, we were like, great play. And then you're right, he made a very composed play to, to get it out of the zone to lead to the goal. So, yeah, that was a good good stuff by him. Yeah. Thanks, Houston. Oh, sure. Yeah.
Yeah, thanks, guys. Right on. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Text to six thirty six thirty. How would you say Nugent Hopkins did? Um, up and down. I think there was were some positives. I mean, obviously the one goal against was was on him. He lost his man on the boards, then took the wrong route back to the front of the net, which allowed Panic to be wide open. Uh, he wasn't good in the face-off circle, but nobody other than a Latestu was good in the face-off circle, and most of them were, were, were terrible as the Hawks, outstanding. So I would say he was okay, um, but not not great. I've, I mean, he, he can be better, and they are going to need him still to be better than that as they go forward. The Oilers win 3-1 over Chicago. The winning goal tonight scored by Milan Lucic. Yeah, for sure. Uh might have been uh, one of, if not our, our worst period of the season. The way we came out and uh, the way he kept us in there was uh, was huge. He, you know, the reason why we won tonight was the way he played all game long, especially in the first period. And uh, I think guys were able to build off that heading into uh, the second period. Would you come in here and say, "Listen, I mean, we got a major break. We're still in this, so let's go," and that kind of lights a fire under everybody? Yeah, that was that was the main message, you know. Uh, lucky to get out of a period 0-0 and knowing that you know you get 17 minutes to kind of regroup and and refocus and head into uh the rest of the game and 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 give yourself a chance to win and uh you know they they didn't get a balance in the first period because of uh some great goaltending and we get a very fortunate balance on on our first goal and uh able to start off the road trip right with uh big two points how good does it feel to, to get that one, Milan? And I mean, I think we saw it in your celebration. Yeah, obviously, uh, felt pretty good to get that one. Uh, goals haven't been easy to get as of late, so uh, just trying to do what I can to stick with it. Uh, you know, found myself in a great shooting opportunity and, and was able to make a count, so hopefully I can, you know, build from that and, and kind of erase everything. Uh, all the troubles uh, heading into this game. How about catching them at, uh, right off that bye week? First game back for teams that have had it hasn't gone so well. Well, yeah, they caught us. Uh, they caught us pretty good, uh, you know, at the start uh, for us coming back from our bye week. And but I, I think, other than uh, their their finish, you know, they, they they came at us pretty hard. You know, they I think they must have spent 15 of the first 20 minutes in our zone. So. Uh, yeah, not much rust to them, but uh, pretty amazing. Uh, the record uh, of the teams kind of coming off a first game, coming off a bye week, and uh, I'm sure coaches are gonna are gonna and GMs are gonna talk about uh, these bye weeks moving forward. Well, there's a very relieved Milan Lucic getting a much needed five on five goal stands up as the winner. The Oilers win in Chicago. 3-1. The Oilers' road record now 17-9-5 on the season. They're 21-8-6 against the Western Conference. we got to take a quick timeout. Cam is our next caller. Have some texts I want to get to as well. The 630-630. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Pranich Team Broadcast Center. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Pranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. On the right half boards. Pursued by McDavid with the swiftest swift link. What a save made by Talbot on Panarin. Came through it back in front. Well, 
Kellen Kennedy had a lot of options tonight to edit our save of the game for Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Talbot, incredible in net again. 38 saves. The Oilers win in Chicago 3-1. Benning, Lucic, and McDavid had the goals. Panic gets his 15th for the Blackhawks. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for calling. Going to go back to the phones in a second here. Just want to read a text from KW who says, based on the way Benning has played this whole season, I think that when Nurse and or Russell return, it'll be Davidson coming out of the lineup, not Benning. Do you think the Oilers will have to waive Griba to return him to the minors, or is it possible to see a Davidson or Griba trade before deadline day to make room? Uh, good question. I think Griba is the first guy to come out. Yep. They, they will not take Benning out unless he gets a rest unless he, they just give him a game to rest like they did before Christmas. I think he missed two or three games. And I don't know if that's going to happen again. But he's, I mean, he's I mean, he's one of the, he's not the sixth defenseman on the team. No, he's, he's not. He's ahead of, he's ahead of Davidson and Greiba without a doubt. So he yeah. doesn't come out. And, and when Nurse comes back, it's going to take a little while for Nurse to get back into the swing of things. It's been a long, long stretch of him being out of the lineup and coming back from an ankle injury is tough. And they can carry 8D. Yep. Because when Kara's healthy. Maybe they they send him down. I I know and and uh, oh no, wait a minute because they don't have an extra forward right no. now. No, no, they can keep him. How many are we allowed? Twenty three. Twenty three. So you keep eight D and one extra forward. Yeah, because there's no forward who's a scratch right now. No. So yeah, so they could do that. Yeah, no. I mean, uh, the first one out would be Grive. The second one out would be Davidson. And there's Russell and Nurse coming back into your lineup, and all of a sudden Nurse and Benning are your third pairing, and the others are pretty. Pretty solid going into the playoffs. Uh, someone asking about the face-off stats. I don't know if we gave the percentage. It Six, was 60, not good. Sixty-five <laughs> percent for Chicago. The actual numbers were thirty-one seventeen for uh, the Blackhawks. Like Rob mentioned, Latesti was the only guy over fifty uh, percent for the Oilers. He won seven out of eleven. But the Oilers do win the game three-one. We have Cam on the line. Hello, Cam. Hey guys, I'm out on Vancouver Island, standing outside a restaurant, listening to your call-in show and phoning, I may have a problem. Okay. Oh. I may have an Oilers problem. Maybe an addiction. That's so fine, game, buddy. Though, eh? <laughs> it was a fantastic hockey game. It was exciting. It, even got, it got better as the game went on, certainly. The big thing I noticed to get tonight was I thought Nugent Hopkins was going. Like, like that's the most jump I've seen in his step for a long time, and I think it's just confidence that he's not going to get murdered out there. And then the other thing I was going to say is, and you guys can answer, Rob, I know you watch it real close, Reed, you do too, and then I'll get off and listen. I see Griba's feet are like 30 40% big, better than they were about a month and a half ago. His feet look good. He's starting to look spry. He's starting to look like he's got some life in his legs. So, you know, I, I wouldn't count him out as being able to stay in the lineup at some point in time. And I think a big guy, guy like that, I think he's going to be necessary if we get playing some heavy hockey. So have you guys noticed his feet getting lighter and better? And I'll just hang up and listen. Well, it's funny you brought that up because during the game, I was watching Grive and I'm like, okay, you know what? He doesn't look out of place. And this is a, a Chicago Blackhawk team, but obviously it's a fast hockey club with some incredibly skilled players. Like This is a team that tries to beat you one-on-one. Most teams stress, get pucks in deep. This team doesn't do that. They, they'll, they'll circle back and come at you one-on-one again. And Griba looks good. There was, a, was about a month ago or whenever it was where he got burnt. The game at home, was it against 
Columbus or someone someone turned him inside out at center where he kind of got caught flat footed. It was I can't remember the player, but at that point you're like, ooh, you know what? The speed might be a little too much for Griba. But since then, he, he he's a smart enough player that he doesn't put himself in a position to have to face you one on one with your speed. He's very good positionally. He brings a little well not a little bit he brings a lot of grit to the game we saw tonight where he threw a big check and then uh, responded with a fight right afterwards so a lot of people always talk trade deadline what do you need to get most teams in the National Hockey League are going to look for defensemen depth defensemen to help them on a playoff run because the importance of having you know an extra two three four, four defensemen because injuries happen the Oilers right now have the luxury of not needing that when Nurse and Russell come back, they'll have a Davidson, they'll have a Griba. Down in the minors, they have an Osterley who's played and played well when he's come up. They have a Reinhardt, who, uh, from what everyone talks about, is playing very good in the minors. And they got a, a Mark Fain down there, too, who has got a, a numerous number of NHL hockey games under his belt as well. The Oilers are set. And, yes, an Eric Griba, come playoff time, if you play a nasty series against Anaheim or against San Jose or, or possibly the St. Louis Blues, yeah, you could possibly see him in the lineup because they want someone on the penalty kill that can punish players. We had Cam from Victoria. We have Dave from Kelowna texting. He says, I don't want to take anything away from what the Oilers have accomplished this year. I'm thrilled to see the team only three points behind the Hawks and the Sharks this deep into the season. That being said, I think the Oilers still have some growth to do before they become one of the elite teams in the league like the Hawks are. Watching the opposition tonight, the Oilers still lack the polished composer and maturity that the Blackhawks do. Well, I, I totally agree with that. Yep. And I think we referenced it earlier. The Oilers win tonight. They, they do win the season series over the Hawks. But yes, I think the Oilers have become a, a, a good team. I, I, I would not say they're an elite team. I hope, I'd love it if a year from now we're, we're saying that. But uh, I think they, you know, I think Shirelli would like to round out, like you said, Rob, some depth on the roster. And I think you can list off oh, what, a half dozen guys who hopefully are going to become the players that they're going to be for a long time in the next one to two years. And I would even include McDavid in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I would certainly include Nurse in that. I would even include Larson and Clefbaum to an extent, though they're probably closer to the finished product than some guys. Leon Dreisaitl. Leon Dreisaitl could probably still improve uh, a bit. You know, Kajula maybe can round out more into a, a more consistent depth player. So, you know, those are all things that can, that can make you feel positive about the future. Well, they're not an elite team. What they are is they're a good hockey club with two elite players in Cam Talbot and Connor McDavid. So they're a good hockey club, but their two elite players uh, set them apart maybe more than a lot of the other good hockey clubs in the, in the league because Cam Talbot, as we've seen this year, has the ability to win games by himself. And going, going into playoffs, and I've said it before, three things you need in playoffs. You need great goaltending, great power play, great penalty killing. If you have those three things, you can beat just about anyone in the National Hockey League. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Brian on the line. Brian, you're going to finish the play. You've already won an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set We Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. But before we do finish the play, what's your thought tonight? Yeah, Good show, by the way, guys, um, and uh, great way to start a road trip. Um, I, I thought they might catch Chicago flat-footed tonight after their break, like they caught us. But Chicago, I didn't see the whole game tonight, but I um, halfway through the second and all the way to the end, uh, I mean, Chicago looked really good. But the Oilers, 
you know, they, they it, it, when the momentum, when they got, even when Chicago got that first goal, um, the Oilers, it just looked like they they weren't get weren't nervous, they weren't you know panicking. They you know, and then, then of course McDavid scores goal. But uh, I, I just want to make a comment on um, on how uh, Lucic, I think, is gonna he is gonna step up. I think the closer we get to playoffs and in the playoffs, I'm not too worried about that guy at all. Uh, and and I think he's smart enough to know. You know when to when to step it up and and when when the, when he's needed. Like uh, I think it was which game was that? Was it Nashville where he stepped yes. up and great hit? And then you know and the next thing you know you know the guys in penalty box and I did he score in that game? I can't remember. Yeah, he got the tying goal on that power play yeah, that he initiated. Yeah, yeah. so I, a very smart player, and I, I I think I'm not worried about him at all. But anyway, uh, yeah, that that was all uh, uh, I wanted to say. But I, I like when they play with emotion, and I think the Oilers. You know, when when they aren't scoring, when they start hitting, it just seems like things really start turning around. Um, I'm looking forward to the playoffs. All right, Brian, we're going to finish the play here. Hang on the line. Kellen, what do you have cooked up today? For the activating Sekra, cross ice, got it through. Perun, McDavid! All right, we got a McDavid chance early in the third period. Is that a goal or not, Brian? Uh, I believe it's not a goal. For the activating Sekra, cross ice, got it through. Burn McDavid, what a save by Crawford, point blank range. And- that was a great save by Crawford. It was one nothing uh, at the time. Really good setup by the Oilers, who came out and changed their lines for the third period. Maroon, Dreisaitl, and uh, McDavid were back together. They generated a great chance, but could not finish. Text to 63630. Uh, Joe says, uh, got a curveball for you. I really like Nino Niederreiter. I think his contract is up this year. He's an underrated player who can do it all. He would complete an Oilers team uh, along with an offensive D-man, of course. Well, Joe, here's the thing. I don't think Minnesota would give would, would trade Nino Niederreiter. He's only 24, and he's still an RFA, so his contract is up, but they still basically have control of the player. So I I don't see that type of deal happening. And that was a fantastic deal by the Minnesota well. Yeah, they get trade away Clutterbuck, who is a fourth line player, a good fourth line player, but that's all he ever will be for Niederreiter, who is going, who who's turned into an excellent young hockey player that is on a great, great hockey club in Minnesota right now. By the way, for winning finish the play, Brian gets into the grand prize draw for $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire, experience integrity. Alright, we got a break for the news in a minute, so if you're on hold, just stay there. We'll, we'll give you more time after the news. The uh, Oilers do not get to turn on the Japanese Village goal light tonight. They have to score five or more in a game like they did their last two outings. When they do hit that plateau, we turn the light on on the Oilers page on 630ched.com and then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, South Side, North Side, and on 104th Street, just a couple blocks away from Rogers Place. It's a 3-1 victory for the Edmonton Oilers. We have post-game reaction ahead from Todd McClellan. We'll also hear from Matthew Benning, who was strong tonight for Edmonton and uh, got kind of a funny goal, shot it from behind the net, went in off Trevor Rand's D- Van Riemsdyk. This is Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast. Center. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Puck rolls free in the corner, deflected off of Van Riemsdyk. Matt Benning will get the goal from the right corner. He threw it in front, 
and it glanced off a Chicago defenseman skate. Matthew Benning is third of the season, third of his career, obviously unassisted. That opened the scoring at 5.02 of the second period, and the Edmonton Oilers go on to win in Chicago 3-1. Cam Talbot, the obvious first star, making 38 saves tonight. Hey, thanks for joining us. It's 8.34 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Our next Oilers broadcast is coming up on Tuesday. The Oil Kings are in action right now in a 2-2 tie in Medicine Hat early in the second period and we'll bring you your full NHL scoreboard in a couple of minutes. 780-496-0063. Here's Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Hey, Reed and Rob. How's it going? Doing well. Right on. Um, yeah, I just watched the game and this is just exciting to see the team play, the role players, and, and just the, like Chicago brought it in the first and yeah, they might have been rusty from the break, but this was a very competitive game through and through, and I am extremely proud of some guys tonight. But, uh, you know, what I think was going to be interesting going forward is what's going to happen with the defense here. I mean, I mean, obviously, if we get Russell and Nurse back, obviously, Grab is coming out for sure. But, I mean, after that, I mean, how do you, how do you pull away Benning, who's playing so no, good? They'll take and, Davidson out. Okay, well, let me finish, though. Sorry. I was going to say about Davidson is he's been – he had the big injury there, and he was rusty the first little while he got back. But I'm telling you, I cannot say a bad thing about his game in the last, like, maybe seven, eight games. No, he's been very know. good. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can pull him out. But, I mean, that's a good problem to have, and I'm just really pumped. And, uh, yeah, I mean – uh, go Oilers. We'll get well, in the playoffs. Well, the, Thanks, one, the one thing that you, you can never do, and we, we talk about it when, when people call in and say, well, what would you do when this guy and that guy comes back? It's hard to even say that because by the time they come back and are healthy, someone else could be hurt. And, you know, there's, you just have to look at the injury list to every team in the National Hockey League. There's always players on it. So by the time Nurse and, and Russell are back to be in the lineup, who's to say that the Oilers have six healthy guys playing ahead of them? So uh, in a perfect world, if everybody's healthy and it's Davidson and Griva or the two that come out, well, now you've got two guys that are very capable of going in at any time. And I would rather have that than all of a sudden someone gets hurt and you're thinking, ooh, we've got to put this guy in and shelter him. They do not have to shelter any of their defensemen with minutes because all are capable of playing. Yeah, I mean, and it is different from around this time last year when you had injuries. I guess a little later than this time last year, but you had Clefbaum hurt. Mm-hmm. You had Schultz traded. I mean, you had Adam Party picked up off waivers. Adam Clendenning picked up off waivers. Jordan Osterley, who is still in the organization, has potential playing 27 minutes a yeah. night, a couple of games. It is a good problem. I mean, uh, I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not crapping on Brandon Davidson because nope. I, I would, I would take him out after, after Griba. And, and Jamie's right. I mean, he, he, he played an efficient game tonight. I, I just think. I, I just think Nurse has some elements that Davidson doesn't. I mm-hmm. think he's meaner, and he's. I think he's more likely to get points. Um, and again, I'm not diminishing anything Davidson does. No. I just think that's those are a couple extra elements Nurse has. And not saying that Davidson's playing bad. We just think there could be six players that are better than him. But Davidson has what he's doing when he plays well makes it very easy for the coaching staff to put him in if someone else falters ahead of him. Yeah, that's what the co- the coaches want. Uh, competitive 
That's nature right. amongst the players. You know what? Compete for a job. You don't have your job just because of your name. Go out and compete. And if you're not good enough, I got someone that wants that job just as much as you are. So that's what the Oilers want. And let's hear from the Oilers head coach, Todd McClellan. A few different Chicago storms, but coming out with a victory. Uh, well, the, there's two positives to the night. We got the points, and Cam played tremendous. After that, there wasn't a lot positive uh, in that game, I didn't think. Um, with Cam, do you think he used what happened last week against the Hawks as motivation, or do you think he's the type of guy that just kind of lets that slide off his back? I think he's the kind of guy that lets that slide off his back. Um, you know, he was just in the zone. I, he faced a lot of rubber, had to be alert for uh, for a full 60 minutes, never got a chance to uh, to really slip out of it, and I thought he was tremendous tonight. When you look at maybe the rest of the team, is that giving credit to the Hawks, or is there more about your team what you didn't like? Well, I think you have to give credit to, to the Hawks, uh, but there was a lot about our team that I didn't like. I didn't think we were very competitive in the circle. We got drilled. Uh, I didn't think we won a lot of races. I didn't think we uh, passed the puck very well. I didn't think we defended well. I thought we got away from our our structure, and um, and we were fortunate to win. There's no other way of putting it. How do you balance that? I mean, you feel good, or as a coach, are you you're like worried? Well, I'm I'm happy that the guys, you know, got the two points, and and. Um, three weeks from now two weeks from now no one's going to ask how it happened um but that catches up with you that's a uh, you know the team we played tonight uh, is the type of team that plays deep into the playoffs they hadn't played a game in in six or seven days and uh in my mind they owned us they they had the puck the whole night they did uh, a lot of things that they wanted to do so that tells me we've got a, a ways to go if we're going to play against those type of teams um, you know, deep into the spring. Lucic gets a goal, gets it five on five. Might this be the start of, uh, you know, something for him moving forward? I think it can be. Um, you know, he had, uh, he liked the, the whole team. I didn't think started real well, but he picked it up as the game went on. And, um, you know, he shot the puck, he got it to the pads, uh, protected it well to get that opportunity. So uh, we certainly hope that that's a trigger point for him as an individual. So Todd McClellan says two positives tonight. They won, and Cam Talbot, then he said, we lost races, we passed the puck poorly, we uh, lost our structure. And I mean, he kind of said what we were saying, is that they're they're not quite on par with Chicago yet, despite the win. He was a little more uh, upset about it than uh, than you and I are and the fans tonight, who are just, are just happy they, they escaped with the win. Yeah, I mean, everything he said is true. Um, obviously, he's a coach. He gets to be a little more honest with his team than we do. We just want to enjoy the victory a, a big victory to start a road trip off so there there's going to be games that you need your goaltender to win for you over the course of the season if you want to be a playoff team if you want to be a team that wins the division uh, the Chicago Blackhawks I guarantee you over the course of the season there have been games that they've been outplayed yet have won on the back of either Darling or Corey Crawford uh, so you take them you put the money in the bank and you say thank you very much to your goalie and you go on and try and give him the the Support and the better effort the next time you go out. Oilers win 3-1 as we look at the Advantage Trailer Rentals scoreboard. The Sharks looking like they're going to win. Five minutes left, a 3-1 lead over Arizona, so that would push them four points ahead of the Oilers again atop the Pacific Division. The the Stars edge the Lightning 4-3 in overtime. Late in the third, the Wild up 3-2 on the Predators. 
in the first period. Panthers won, Kings nothing, and the Flames and the Canucks are scoreless. The Sabres beat the Blues 3-2. Red Wings over the Caps 3-2 in a shootout. The Jets get a 3-1 decision in Montreal. The Devils knock off the New York Islanders tonight 3-2. And the Senators, behind five points from Mark Stone, get a 6-3 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm just going to double check that uh, that's still the point total, Rob, because we saw it We saw it initially after the game. Yes, Mark Stone had a goal and four assists, just because sometimes an assist might change or something. Well, actually, Mark Stone, a goal and four assists. In that game, the, the, the Senators had a 2 nothing lead. The, the Leafs come storming back to go up 3-2 and then four unanswered in the third period for the Ottawa Senators in a battle of the two Ontario hockey teams. All right, we have Ron, 780-496-0063. Hi, Ron. Hey guys, how are you? Doing well. Um, I thought it was a uh, a great game tonight. Uh, it was well played by the Oilers. Um, they kind of just I, I'm just super impressed with their defense. Obviously, I thought Larson was going to be a great addition, but I just I just think um, I don't know. Like I, I think maybe I'm not sure if he's a vocal guy, but I just think um, he's like it, it's basically every defenseman. I think is. Just night and day from where they were last year but I just I don't know maybe it is Larson do you guys by chance know if Larson's like a vocal leader or like has he just been able to kind of calm all the other defensemen down yeah I I think he's more of a calming influence it's always tough for me Ron even even though I'm around the team uh, at, at practice when they practice at home I you, you don't see them when it's just them in the dressing room, right? And, and and Rob can attest that that's when they are really let their guard down with each other. Um, my impression of Larson is um, he he doesn't strike me as a guy who's going to stand up and smash sticks over his head to get everybody fired up. But in terms of on the ice as a calming influence, I think that's a great way to describe him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it- just it's, it's it's amazing how they really stuck together, especially even after the Chicago goal. Nobody, nobody, you know, nobody was overly too worried, and they had this, you know, calmness. I was actually going to ask you guys a quick question about Jesse uh, Puliarvi. Um, my, I'm kind of wanting the Oilers to maybe continue to play him in the American Hockey League, and he's doing a great job. And then I'm thinking maybe. A week before the playoffs, hopefully um, they'll be in there, and then maybe they would call him a week up before the end of the regular season. Because I feel like uh, I would feel much more, I guess, uh, confident in the team if he's in our starting lineup for the playoffs. Kind of hoping that these games in the American Hockey League can can give him that confidence that, that the Oilers coaching staff can put him in at that time. I I don't think that that would be the case. I think that if the Oilers are playing well heading into the playoffs, they're not going to bring someone up from the minors who's been down there for months and all of a sudden change things at this level. The American Hockey League is a much different game, much different speed than it is at the National Hockey League level. I would be uh, surprised if he didn't get called back at some point as a depth player, especially as they get later into the season and into the playoffs possibly, but I can't see him supplanting somebody in the lineup just for the sake of, of, uh, because okay, we had him, he's playing well in the minors. They'd have to have something go wrong up here before I think they would do that. I guess the the reason why I said that is just because I'm kind of worried. I just think we're going to need as 
I just think uh, unless maybe, unless they're able to possibly make a trade um, for a wing spot, it's just I'm not sold on on Everly per se, and I just feel like the more offense that they can get on that wing, I'm definitely not saying that they're going to bump Everly out of the lineup. No question, we still need him in there, but I just I mean considering that if Drysaddle's still going to be playing with McDavid, um, it's hard to say. I just I just feel like Pool Pool could maybe slide into that third spot because regardless, he's he's a huge impact for us in trying to at least you know score goals, right? Yeah, well, he's got a lot of potential. Thanks, Ron. I, I mean, there there is a possibility Bakersfield might not make the playoffs in the AHL. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he's up here as a black ace, and then maybe he, you could use him in a playoff game depending how deep you go. But I, I think he's probably down there for the yeah. foreseeable yeah, future. I mean, Not a bad thing. I no, no, I agree. And I, I don't think he, he is better right now than what they have playing because if he was, he would have been up here and would have been sent down to the minors. So he's getting better while he's down there. He's learning both ways. Uh, of the game in the North American style of hockey. And when he eventually does make his jump up to the National Hockey League, hopefully it's a jump that he'll make for good. And we'll see him progress up here, whether it's this year or next year, but eventually it's going to happen. Sean, you're up next on the phone line, 780-496-0063. The Oilers score a 3-1 win in Chicago to start off their six-game road trip. You're listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. From the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Well, good to have you along for the ride. It's 8.50. It's the Edmonton Oilers winning their third straight 3-1, the verdict in Chicago tonight. The Oilers... Uh, surviving this game for the most part. Cam Talbot, solid in net. He made 38 saves. He was finally beaten by Richard Panic with 5-10 to go. That cut the Oilers' lead to 2-1. McDavid got an empty netter with 27 seconds left. Before I go to the phone calls here, I uh, had a texter saying, do you think Chicago... Well, not do you think. He said, were you surprised Chicago pulled Crawford so early? They took him out with 2.10 left. I know what you're going to ask. No, and I actually (laughs) said it before they did it. I said, if I was Quenville, I'd pull him right now. They've got their best line on the ice. They've got an oiler line that is a little tired. Take advantage of your best line being out there. I would have pulled him, and right away they they showed the net was empty. So uh, I, I think it's the right move. I think that... Give yourself your best chance of winning. And if your best players are out there, why wait and pull your goaltender when all of a sudden your next line comes out? So I thought it was the right move, unfortunately, for the Blackhawks. It didn't work out. I wonder if he still would have pulled him if it hadn't been after an icing. I think he would have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, because the way his line that he had out there was the Kane line. So he had his number one line that was on the ice. So if he waits down all of a sudden with a minute to go well now that line changes he puts another line out there so you don't have your best players on the ice so take advantage of the way the lines are are running it's your first line it's 210 in the game you're in the offensive zone I mean they didn't that's not when they gave up the goal there was 20 seconds left eventually when they gave up the short or the empty net goal against Uh, we've seen teams with five six minutes in games pull their goalie when they're down more than uh, more than a couple so uh, I thought it was the right move it just you don't see, I don't know what the percentage of teams pull their goalie that score. It's not great, but it gives you your best chance. All right, 780-496-0063. Here's Daryl on the line. Hey, Daryl. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good. Hey, listen, I had a question for you guys. My question is, 
Cam Talbot has been absolutely, I, I think as far as I'm concerned, he's he's proven himself. But when we get to the playoffs, we only have Cam Talbot. Our other backup goalie, sure, he's done well in the few games that he's played. But we run into a situation later on in the playoffs, possibly, where our goaltender gets injured. We end up in a situation like we had no six, where Rolison got hurt and we carry on through the playoffs with our backup. What is Edmonton looking at doing, possibly, to, you know, do something about that and hopefully get us something as a backup goaltender that's going to help us out? In a situation like that. Okay, my what's question. Your guys's, what's my, your guys' thought on that? Okay, my question to you who's San Jose's backup goalie? Bressois. No, who's San Jose's backup goalie? Oh, that I'm not 100% who's, sure. Who's St. Louis's black backup goalie? Okay, I see where you're going. So, with teams, there's, there's maybe five teams in the NHL they've got a backup goalie that's quite good. The rest of them, the reason they're their backup goalies is because they're backup goaltenders. You're not going to get a stellar goaltender at the trade deadline probably not as if you if it's a team that's in the playoffs they're not going to give one up so the sellers there's very few out there uh so i a backup goalie is a guy that there's a good chance he's not going to play so you're not going to give up a whole lot of for a guy that may not get into a single game for you um you know what if a goalie gets hurt if, if talbot gets hurt i don't care which goaltender the others have as their backup they're not as good because Talbot is good, and whoever's a backup, it's not going to be the same. They've, I read an article about Michael Nurwith from the, the Flyers as a possible backup. He's having a terrible season. So you're, you're going to trade for a guy that's having a terrible year somewhere else. He's older. He's got more experience. That's the thing. But he's still bad. Yeah. He's still bad. So why? just because yeah. the guy's more experienced, why get a yeah, bad yeah. experience for So, yeah. you I know, mean... Sorry, Rob. Go, go ahead. Well, let you, well, you weren't done. No, so to me, it's if if you can get something cheap... For a goalie that's experienced, fine. But I don't think on on your bucket list it's something that's really high. I think it's it is uh, if Talbot goes down, it doesn't matter. Your season's in jeopardy in the playoffs because he is to me the MVP of this team. I mean, oh, I st- absolutely. There's there's no there's no doubt about that. That guy is he's done his part. There's no two ways about it. I still wonder if if somebody, whether it's the Oilers or not, is going to acquire Yaroslav Halak from the Islanders. And, and that was my next question. Yeah. Is you know, like I, I read stuff in the newspaper and what have you, and, and heard a little bit of uh, telltale about them possibly looking at getting somebody like that. Yeah, and I then mean, you'd leave that, him unprotected. That's, that's, a, that, that's a big acquirement, and then they could also have him and then just leave him unprotected. Exactly. Uh, going into the. Uh, uh, you know, like with uh, the the new Las Vegas team and stuff, hunting for guys and whatnot, that that would kind of put him on the chopping block. But at the same time, do you, do you think that would help them out? Would that be something they'd be looking at doing? But I mean, that you're still you're picking up a goalie that's playing in the minors, so it's not like you're picking up a stud as a backup. Halak was a starter, though. He was, but he wouldn't be a bad choice for a backup. He's on he's on an Islander team right now that is not very good, and he's he's not even on their team. 
So there's two goalies on a bad island, your team that's but, ahead of them. But, Rob, I, I just think what Daryl and a lot of fans are saying, and I've had this talk on Inside Sports plenty of times, is they would just feel better with an experienced backup, even if that who? backup is having a the, who, what, the fans or the team? The fans. Well, it doesn't matter what the fans think. It's what the team yeah, thinks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah, but the, nobody gives a shit what the fans you know, think. <laughs> I mean, as far it, to me, it's the, this team is on Talbot. So I, if, if you can get something cheap, fine, but I don't think it's important. Important at all, and I don't think the players feel it is either. Well, so uh, a couple players have said to me, "We have a starting goalie, so you don't yeah. need to get a like ben, when Ben Bishop's name has come up." I think the Oilers feel like they're not going to. I know Ben Bishop's a UFA; they're they're not going to get Ben Bishop. No. The Flyers guys are an interesting possibility, and and to me, Halak remains an interesting possibility. We'll see. Sean is on the line. Hi, Sean. Hey, how's it going, boys? We're doing well. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want to start off some positives. Uh, Oilers. You got to take the two points. It's a, it's a win. She was ugly, but uh, the Lucic thing when I watch him, boy, it, my blood boils watching him. We paid six million. I, I, I just want to make a few points and see what you guys. But the guy he might bring some leadership, but I've never seen a big man down low as bad on the puck as he is. He, he just gets knocked off the puck like nothing. Everly's quarter or uh, like David quarter his size and in twice as dominant down low. Well, it's not only him, but we're, we're in trouble with him. But I just want to say, there are some pauses, I think, with the Oilers. I think the guy to go, and I like him, is uh, Chris Russell. If we can get, uh, last year, Calgary got Brett Pollock, a second rounder, and Yoki Paka, which is not much, but if you can get that Chris Russell, again, uh, I'm a big old silly fan. I think he's going to be a uh, He's every bit as good as Russell. Maybe not quite as good as a shot blocker, but probably a better puck mover. Uh, we got some positive, a lot of depth. So I think we could move a couple of events, even if you get second for Reinhardt. And uh, that's, I think we're in a field from a position of strength. But with Lucic, I don't see what anybody's seeing. I don't think he's flicking the switch. He's coming back. He's slow. He has terrible hands. He's not fighting. Bruins fighting all the battles for him. And, uh, yeah, I just want to see what you guys have to say about that. But yeah. uh, Matt Benning, absolutely stud. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Well, I, I think it's – I don't think Lucic has lived up to expectations. Uh, just his 12th goal tonight, I, I think he – I think his confidence has been affected quite – I mean, you, know, you can't watch a game on TV and measure a guy's confidence at the best of times. But, but I mean, he's had a couple of scoring chances where he – I mean, he fanned on the puck on a centering pass the other night where usually it's a tapping goal. Um it's weird. Maroon has the stats you thought Lucic would have, and Lucic has the stats you thought Maroon would have. I, I, I mean, look, it's going to be an evaluated contract. I know some people didn't like the length of it, but the same thing was you weren't getting him for the short term if you weren't uh, if you weren't going to sign him for the for the long term. I, I, I still think it was a step and a chance Shirelli had to take. And, you know, we'll see where we are a year from now if we're still having the same conversation. Because a lot of people... Uh, 15 months ago, a lot of people didn't like Secker and Talbot on the team. So I'm willing to be patient hmm. with and, a guy with that experience. And looking at, at the what he talks about trading Russell, you're not trading Russell. The others are making a playoff push here. He's in your top four. And I mean, you don't when you're in you acquire when you're in when you're in the position that the Oilers in. You don't sell. This is the first time we've seen the Oilers being in that position. Uh, Russell's going nowhere. They need him for a playoff run. All right, 
we got a quick news break coming up. Uh, we're with you until 9.30. If you want to talk about the game, that's cool. But we have uh, an ex-NHL or Rob Brown in studio. You want to ask him anything about his career or hockey-related, uh, he'll take those questions tonight within uh, appropriate boundaries, of course. It's a Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Oilers win 3-1. Live from the Terry Perenich Team Broadcast Center, this is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Everly nearly gave it away, but Lucic makes the steal, walks in, right circle, wrist shot, score! Beat Corey Crawford, five hole, and Milan Lucic with his 12th goal of the year. Big goal for Lucic, game winner tonight, Oilers 3, Chicago 1. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. So, a couple things to talk about on that goal. First, okay. Rob, you love the location. I do. Fivefo. I, I I love Fivefo. I I really do. I think goaltenders are they get set in a position. They have to cover everything down low. They got to be ready to go from one side to the other. The five hole is small. They don't give you a whole lot of space, but it is always there. And if you can hit it, he cannot stop it. The other night at the the other game, home ice against Philly. The other night, Joey Mullen. One of my favorite players I played with always went five hole. He do a little flick of the wrist, go five hole, scored. I don't know what he's got four, five hundred goals in his National Hockey League career. We talked about it between periods. Five hole is a good shot. People think it's a bad goal if the goalie lets it in. It isn't. But if you can hit that spot, you're going to score goals. And at the worst, if he hits that spot and it doesn't go in, it leaves a rebound. The other thing about Lucic, and we just had the caller talking about him. You know, we thought he might be a down-low net presence. To me, Rob, he seems to be more of a threat to score when he shoots from mid or sometimes even long range. I I, I don't know if he's more of a threat. I still think he needs to get to those areas. But he, I, I was shocked, as we've seen this year go go on, at how heavy a shot he has from out high. There's been a number of times we saw it again tonight where he comes down the left wing with speed, from you know 10 feet inside the blue line he takes a slap shot and it's heavy and it caught Crawford up high it more more or less hit Crawford than Crawford stopped it and the goalies we've seen get handcuffed by it he's got a heavy heavy shot I think we need to see more of it I don't think he's going to score a whole lot from out there but it creates scoring chances because we have seen time and time again that shot is not corralled by the goalie and it leaves a, a, a rebound and on that one tonight Slepeshev came driving the net and it was only a great defensive play by the defenseman to take his stick away to stop Slepeshev from putting the puck into a backdoor empty net so Milan does have a heavy shot and yes I I agree a lot with what the, the, the caller called earlier talked about. I don't think this has been the season Lucic has wanted. Hopefully, though, as the season pro- progresses and the games get more important, he becomes a bigger factor as he did tonight. Lucic up to 32 points in 59 games. He has 12 goals as the Oilers beat Chicago 3-1. Connor McDavid gets a goal tonight, his 20th of the season. He now has 67 points. He leads the NHL in that category. Who was? I mean, we talk a lot about guys with hard shots, and you you would have played with uh, in the same era as McInnes. You would have overlapped with Iafredi, mm-hmm. who was known for having a hard shot. Uh, Doug Wilson, by the way, now the Sharks GM. When I was a kid, did he was would have still been playing yep. when you were there? Um, well, who had the who who had a really accurate shot? 
that that stands out for you, where he could just put it exactly where he wanted? Well, Mario could. Mario, for sure. He, yeah. he put it wherever he wanted, from anywhere on the ice. It wasn't a heavy shot, but it was always deadly accurate. Uh, Brett Hall, uh, it was always a one-timer, but the biggest thing with him was he hit the net. Every time he shot the puck, it seems like it hit the net, and it was on and off his stick, so goalies never had a chance to... To, to get in the right position. And then you talked about it. Ally Afraidy and, and Al McInnes were two guys that you did not want to get in a shooting lane. Back in when I played, blocking shots wasn't as uh, prevalent. It wasn't and as... And the guys did it differently. Well, they would go down on their side and we'd, yeah, well, yeah, I, shin pad it. Well, you'd, some of us would lift a foot, try and get out of the way. <laughs> go to the bench. Go to the flamingo. <laughs> I broke my foot trying to block a shot once. No, it, it wasn't the same as it is now. I, I, I give credit to all these guys. I mean, that's brave when a guy's shooting. I mean, the bad shooters nowadays are shooting at 92 miles an hour. And you've got to block this thing coming at you 92 miles an hour. So, uh, yeah, th- th- there's some heavy shots. Every- everything now is bigger, faster, stronger. Uh, the players uh, are-, are able to get that puck on net so quick nowadays that it is important that players get into shooting lanes, and that's why the coaches have the, the video to show them where you need to be at each and every time. And-, and it is like shooting through a wall whenever you're putting a puck on net nowadays. Uh, Taryn, who's listening in McGrath, says, uh, let's wait on where, south, isn't it? I was going to say, where's McGrath? Yeah. I have no idea where McGrath it's, is. It's uh, southern Alberta. Is it? Yes. Oh, that was all very nice. Who's, who's down I'm pretty there? pretty sure it is. He'll text in if I'm wrong. All right. Uh, he says, Lucic is actually on pace for an almost identical season to 14-15 when he had 18 goals and 26 assists. He's on pace for 17 goals and 27 assists. Uh, but I think he brought confidence to everyone else by hyping up the hard-to-play-against mentality. He might not be playing the way he wants to, but I think his presence has rubbed off on the city and his teammates. I, I think a good comment, and let, let's look at it from the glass-half-full side with Milan Lucic, because I do think this is an interesting debate. Yep. I thought the caller that uh, criticized him earlier, I thought was mostly on the mark. Yep. There, there have been some things you were hoping to see that you have not seen. The other aspect of it is, is he giving the puck away in his own end? Is he making stupid passes through the the neutral zone? And when we talk about the Oilers being a calmer, more composed group, well, that's all 20 guys together, which means Milan Lucic is at least some part of that. And and, and given his experience and his playoff experience, I, I, I I think you do have to recognize that. Yeah, you do. I don't want to overstate it, but but I I do think you have to recognize it. Well, I mean, first, you can't look completely out of contract because most, if not all, unrestricted free agents are overpaid. They are. I mean, because there's people bidding on them. So for you to win the bidding war, you're going to overpay. And did the Oilers overpay with term and money? Yeah, I, I think they did. I, I don't think there's any question they did. But if they didn't, they weren't going to get them. So you had to make the decision, okay, are we able to, to bite the bullet a bit on some term and bite the bullet a bit on some money to get something that we think is going to be a positive influence on our young team? And if the answer to yes was that, then you're, all right, okay, we're going to give him this, and he's going to be part of our team going forward. And, and I, 
when Connor McDavid, who's the captain of this team and who's the future of the National Hockey League, comes out and says that Milan Lucic has been a big part of our dressing room and a big part of the the leadership of this team, then you got to take him on on his word that Milan has been a very important part of this team. Now, he's frustrated at some things that have happened with his season, and it hasn't gone completely like he's wanted it to, and the fans probably are expecting more at times. But it's it's the whole package with Milan, and from the, what we've heard from the players and from the coaching staff, they are overjoyed with what Milan has brought. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers beat Chicago three one. We have David on the line. Hey, go ahead. You're on with Robin Reed. Hi, how are you guys? Doing very well. I have uh, two questions for you. So, uh, first one, uh, assuming they make the playoffs, how far do you think they can go and? Like, how do we match up against Anaheim? I think that's our most likely opponent right now. Yep. And second of all, so next year, uh, McDavid, he's on the final year of his uh, entry-level contract. Do you see a need to contend next year? Because after that, he'll be, like, very expensive. So, same interest title. Uh, right now, there's a bargain right now. Do you see a need to next year add maybe a big piece? Because we have, we have the cap space for next season to go all the way. Well, I, I think they match up better against the Ducks than they do against the Sharks. I agree. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I think Talbot, uh, you know, gives them a, well, a good chance up against everybody. Now, Jones is having a good season for San Jose. Mm-hmm. They, they don't get pushed around against Anaheim like they used to in terms of how deep they're going to go. I mean, what can I say? Like, if I, if I say they're going to win the Stanley Cup, people are going to think I'm <laughs> yeah. nuts. If I say they're going to get swept in the first round, people I think I'm being negative. I, they'll, I, they'll be in the tournament. They'll have a shot. I think, they, I think they match up very well against the Anaheim Ducks. I really do. I think San Jose would be much, much tougher for them. But I believe that if they play Anaheim in the first round, that they've got a good chance of beating the Anaheim Ducks in the first round. Do you see, like, do our four lines, do they match well against their lines? Like, the potential line, I guess, is David, what else? Like, are they D better, you think? Well, I, I, Anaheim's got very good D. They've they're, they got young defensemen that can move the puck and skate well. They've got a young goaltender as well who's coming into his own. He's had some ups and downs this year, but he's very good. Uh, they're, the key to the Anaheim Ducks playing against Edmonton would be Kessler versus McDavid, I think. Uh, Kessler is one of the best, if not best, defensive centerman in the National Hockey League who's having a good year offensively as well. So I think that would be the big matchup. I, I mean, it comes down to execution, whichever team executes better. Now, still a long ways away between before now, between now and the start of a playoff season. But if to me, of all the teams in the first round that the others could possibly play right now, I think Anaheim suits them best. And yeah, McDavid's probably going to get a contract extension this summer. That'll be probably worth at least ten million dollars a year for eight years, quite possibly more. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think next on Shirelli's long, well, medium to long-term wish list is a power play defenseman. That's obviously incredibly difficult to get. Like, Do you think elite... next, like, next year for the deadline he goes big? Oh, yeah, I think he might go big this summer. I, I just think that's that, that's when most of the blockbusters happen nowadays. But again, you, like you, a... you saw the price they had to pay to get a solid defensive defenseman. So... You know, teams aren't handing out offensive defensemen like like Candy yeah. and like Rob and I re- referenced earlier. There will be some internal growth, especially I think with you know Nurse Clefbaum and Larson. Do you think Nurse like she can like become that offensive or 
Uh, I, I think he's got an he's element got, to it, but yeah. I don't know if he's going to be a 50-point defenseman. No, I don't think so. Do you think Larson, like, he, he doesn't get any power play time. Like, is there... That's not his role. Well, it probably won't be his role. No. no. I think Benning's got a better chance to be an offensive defenseman than Larson. That's a very, that's a very good point. It could be Benning who is one day... And he's not... Look, Benning's not going to be Drew Doughty or Burns. No. Nope. But he could be a very efficient power play yes. defenseman. It being the fact that he's a right-handed shot, too. And he's intelligent. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Thanks okay, for your thank call. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Quick timeout. Oilers win three one. It's Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. This is overtime open line brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio six thirty. Chad. Big night for Talbot, 38 stops. Benning, Lucic, and McDavid, your goal scorers. Panic got the Chicago goal, and uh, the Oilers win 3-1 in Chicago. Panic, uh, crafty little player. Never panic, panic. Never panic. I mean, he did get away from Nuge. I, I, I don't know if that was a mental mistake from Nuge. It looked like he lost his balance a little bit and then just got stuck behind the play. But a nice patience by Panic to score. Too. It was. Uh, Nuge got chasing, and when you start chasing, you're in trouble. Uh, it was a wonderful play by Taves getting the puck in front to Panic, and uh, we've seen Panic a couple times now. He's got great hands. He's got uh, patience with the puck, and when you have time in front of the net and you can use your patience, well, the goalie's at your mercy. I mean, nobody's coming on him. Takes as long as he wants. Eventually, Talbot has to move, and when he does, you put the puck in the net. So uh, it was a nice goal uh, and made it a little nerve-wracking to, yep. to, to finish the game, but uh, Talbot and the rest of the Oilers got it done. Text to 630-630, do you think the Oilers need to get depth at the deadline, or should they keep the same team? I think they need to get depth, and I think they will get depth. When we talk about there not being a trade, we're, we're talking about a, like a major trade. Uh, Peter Shirelli says he will tinker. You know, he'll he'll probably try to I mean, Maroon turned out to be an absolute home run of a yep. trade, but I wouldn't be surprised if he tries to get a player who maybe is in the situation Maroon was last year. Maybe it had fallen out of a little bit of favor with his team. Maybe Shirelli saw some potential there that wasn't being reached, though I don't know if he saw <laughs> quite what Maroon is doing. And, and as, Rob, you've mentioned, if they could get an experienced defenseman for a reasonable price, maybe, maybe that's in play as um, well. To me, uh, a scoring winger. I'd love a scoring winger, winger, somebody that can come in that's unrestricted at season's end that can give you a little bit of extra depth on the wings because the Oilers don't have a lot of scoring wingers, pure scoring wingers. They don't have much depth when it gets down to uh, their minor league for players they can call up. So I think they will look for some depth up front. Uh, and we'll see what the, what, I guess, what the market value is for players out there. There's no need to overpay. You do not have to overpay right now for something, for somebody that you're going to have for five, six weeks. It is silly, and I think it sets teams back uh, years. I mean, the Atlanta Thrashers one year made a huge deal, gave up so much at the trade deadline, and then they were a non-playoff team for the next five, six years. Uh, do you think Brassois starts the first of the back-to-back? That's from Namudi. I, I think he starts the second of the back-to-back if he starts at all. Yeah, I two mean, days off now. You can come back with Talbot. I mean, well, then plus you're coming off an All-Star break and a five-day ba- break just recently. Talbot doesn't look tired, so I don't think it, it's not mandatory for Talbot to get one of those games off. All right, we have Clayton on the line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Clayton. 
How you doing? Doing well. So I gotta ask you, who do you give up for the expansion draft for Vegas? Uh, well, I, I think that uh, you, a lot of players will be exposed, obviously. I, I think two of the players that have the best chance of being taken are Brandon right. Davidson and Tyler Pitlick. And I'd throw Griffin Reinhardt in there, too. Reinhardt could be snapped up as well. Mm-hmm. The wild card could be, like Rob and I were talking about earlier, if the Oilers were to trade for somebody like Yaroslav Halak, then that could change the outlook for Vegas. Okay. Now... I've said this all season, I'll say it again. The Oilers' defense, not the best. They did a good job tonight, but they're still, they still, they still need a lot of fine tuning to get down defense. Well, they do, but I'm looking at a glass half full. This is the best defense the Oilers have had in I don't know how many years. Like, it's not even close. What are the Oilers right now reading in for goals against this oh, year? Gotta double check. They've been in the top ten. So for this a long is a time. top ten defensive team nowadays. Now there's there's mistakes being made, obviously, but you can look at any team and say that. But this is the best Oilers defense we've seen in years. Uh, somebody says on the text line, "What do you think the chances are of a Ginla?" Well, that'd be that'd be a rental. You, I wouldn't want to give up a lot. For no, that. to me, I, I love Jerome. He's one of my favorite players that has ever played in the National Hockey League, and he'd be great in your dressing room. But he's not a top six player anymore. He's he's not even close to being that. So for to bring him in to be a fourth line guy, I don't know if it's worth it. Somebody says, "What about the guy Stoffer likes Derek Ryan, former U of A Golden Bear?" I think if the Oilers were to add Derek Ryan, and I know that's talked about, I think that would happen in the summer. I think they would sign him. I don't think they would trade for him at the deadline. I and honestly, I know nothing about him. I just from what Bob has talked about him and the little that we've seen him. All right, we're into the final two minutes of the program here. Daryl, you got 60 seconds, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, fellas. Uh, I'm tired of you guys taking on callers that have marbles in their mouths. <laughs> well, thank you. We, we, we appreciate you being our bodyguard. Thank you very much. Okay, I'm, I'm not done. Okay. Uh, can you please tell Mr. Brown to... Not say especially. Well, you're telling them yourself, Daryl. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. And a quick run from Jared before we go. Jared, you got 30 seconds. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, aside from the maroon um, signing, that I think Benning was probably one of the best pickups Charlie's made. He uh, he's had a lot of strong games lately, and I think uh, we stole him pretty well from his uncle in Vancouver. And uh, I really hope that it comes to fight Vancouver for eight more years. Thanks for the call. Not only appreciate it. Not only Vancouver, but ex- especially the uh, Boston Bruins who drafted him and never signed him. All right, the Oilers win three-one over the Hawks. Or oh, we didn't even get to the Benning post game, did we? But it'll be on the Oilers page on six thirty ched dot com. Our next broadcast is going to be on Tuesday. Oilers at Tampa, four o'clock face-off show. The game will start at five thirty. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening, doing a great job. I hope the rest of your family day weekend is awesome. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse over time open line from the Terry Brannett Team Broadcast Center. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. 3-1 Oilers win over the Hawks. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.